When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, Here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's the Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO, also on 1460 AM, Jared Stansberry. Uh, can talk some Iowa State hoops to lead off tonight's show. Of course, Iowa State with a 51 to 47 win last night over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Going to look ahead to Saturday's date down in Norman with the Oklahoma Sooners. Bring in Chris Williams. Chris, it was a uh, man that was probably one of the worst basketball games I think I've ever watched in my entire life. There was a point when I was wondering if it was even bordering on being basketball, but <laughs> man, the Cyclones won. I guess that's all that that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean it. It wasn't appealing. There's, there's no doubt about that. I'm not going to try and put lipstick on that pig, but I will say that this is exactly like for people who have listened to us. And um, I, I've been critiqued for like, oh, give them credit. They're top ten team. Like treat them like one. Well, you always knew that this team had limitations, and I think it all. Uh, we, we saw that last night, right? Like, not every win was going to look like the Iowa win. Not every you know, they played really, really well offensively. They just didn't make shots <laughs> from three against Baylor. Right. And last night was one of those nights against a elite defensive team, even though they were down, like they're still like, that's a good tech team like that. I know they had seven dudes, but those seven dudes are proven like they had most of their dudes were there other than Shannon. That's probably a different result if Shannon's there, but whatever. Um, and Iowa state, you know, the old cliche couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in the, in the second half anywhere, right? You know, like Brockington's missing layups and like, I mean, guys, they struggled a little bit from the free throw, like, right. Like it was just a really bad half, but it was deliberate in the sense of like, like they didn't, how many teams Jared, have you watched over the years in basketball when shots aren't falling, their defense starts to slide. And you didn't mm-hmm. see that last night with Iowa state. So that like where I say, it's like deliberate, you don't deliberately hit three field goals in the second half but they didn't get off of their game plan and they kept grinding and they kept doing what has gotten them to this point. So it was ugly. Um, it set the sport back a few decades. However, 
isn't that kind of beautiful too, that you, you know, you stick to it and you're still able to beat a top 25 team. Uh, when you play like that, I agree with the tweet you put out last night. I, I saw some people were mocking you for it, but like, to me, like when you, when you play that poorly on offense, the way that they did, and you still find a way to win, they're not like that bad of an offensive team. We've seen them against good teams score and that, that will come around. Like I, but like the one that we, we've said it, you know, since we started to learn the identity of this team, defense travels. And that's not like in a literal sense, but like what it means is on a night like that, where you're that terrible offensively, you can still beat a top 25 team because of your defense. That is fantastic. I was thrilled with that win last night. Uh, it was not pretty, nothing pretty about it, but I was, I was jacked up. I, I, after the game, like I was, I was super fired up because they shouldn't have won the game and they found a way to do it. And that's what good teams do, mm-hmm. right? That's what good teams do. And that was, that was a, they're, Iowa State's a good team. I am convinced after two games in the Big 12, Iowa State will be in the top 25 for the rest of the season. I truly believe that. I think the thing that, I mean, they played an F game offensively, probably. And when you can play an F game on either end of the floor and still win, like that's something that you have to be happy about. I think too, though, that, and this isn't like an excuse, I'm not blaming the officiating for anything, but that game was officiated in a very odd way. And I think that it was partially due to the fact that Texas Tech only had seven guys. You could tell that the officials probably didn't want to put them in early foul trouble when they only had seven people that they could play. And I mean, the officials basically stopped blowing the whistle from about the halfway point of the first half until the under eight timeout of the second half. And there was a point when I think Iowa State had nine fouls and Texas Tech had four in the second half. And you saw them call four really quick ones on Texas Tech because I think they realized what they were doing. And, you know, that's not a I'm not knocking the officiating. John Higgins is one of the best officials in the in the country. But it was something where you could see Texas Tech early in the game didn't know how physical they could be. And then at the under 12 timeout, they said, "Okay, we're not going to win unless we're going to muck this thing up as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. So they started they grabbed everybody on. He's a good coach, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's he's really good. Yeah. yeah, he can coach. They're they're not drop. I don't know if he's going to be able to pull the talent Beard did, but that guy can coach. They're not going anywhere. Absolutely. And like, he, I mean, I I, I was talking with Scott Christopherson. We, me and him were texting a little bit during the game, and I, and he's talking about Iowa State's offense. And I was like, Scott, try and tell me how you can play offense when every time you try and put the ball on the floor, you've got someone grabbing a hold of you. Every time you try and cut, you got someone grabbing a hold of you. Every time you try and drive to the rim, you're being knocked to the floor. Like this is, I was like, this is not normal. Like this is not a normal basketball game right now. This turned in, it got so physical and it couldn't be reined in by the time that it got late in the game to where it, it was like, you either have to play that way and lean into it or you have to shy away from it. And I thought that was what was so impressive is that they leaned into it and they, they stood their ground, you know, and Iowa state did not have the physical brute strength that Texas tech does. Every single guy on Texas tech's team looks like they should be playing middle linebacker for the football team, but you know, they were still able to gut it out. And I thought that that was really impressive. There's been a lot of Iowa state teams that we've seen that if a team started to play them that way, they'd get housed. I mean, it, oh, no it would doubt. be game over. They lost to Texas Tech by 30 points in Hilton Coliseum in back-to-back years. Like, 
for those exact reasons, when Texas Tech came right at them and got really physical, they could not match that. This team doesn't shy away from those things. And that's why I walked away from it. So encouraged because it's like, man, I don't think that this team is scared to play any way that the other team wants to play. You know, they're going to do what they do and dictate their thing on defense. But as offensively, they're like, we'll play however you want to play. And we're not afraid to fight and we're not afraid to run. And it will do whatever it takes. And we saw that in back-to-back games. They weren't afraid to run with Baylor, who might be one of the best offensive team in the country, you know. And then they're not afraid to muck it up with Texas Tech in the half court if that's what it takes to win a game, too. I think at the end of the day, Iowa State is comfortable saying, yeah, if we have to win a game in the 40s and 50s, we will. Right. And how many programs out there can you really say that about? Not many. And, And that's what I was talking to another friend last night. I was like, this is the first time that I can really say that going into the NCAA tournament, I don't think there would be a team that truly scared me because of their style of play. Virginia, like when they played Virginia in the NCAA tournament, that yeah. terrified me yeah. because of the way that they defended. I don't, like, I don't know. I think if they would have played that Virginia team, this team played that Virginia team right now today, I wouldn't be scared. You know, I wouldn't be scared of any team they tried to play because I think that they're willing to play whatever style of ball that it takes to match them. It makes them a tough out, too, because the NCAA is completely uh, the tournament is driven completely on matchups, specifically in the backcourt, usually. And Iowa State's so versatile in in that sense, like you noted. I I wonder, too, about the officiating last night. Just wonder if we're going to see some 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 more of this this year i mean is iowa state now don't take this literally okay you've played enough ball and watched it at this level to know that like we often complain about when you play west virginia it's like well they can't call everything you know you just can't call foul like and i I wonder if we saw some of that last night because you're right about the physicality of that game and it was clearly two teams like if you looked at them on paper going into the game their statistical profiles were identical Mm -hmm. now i thought i thought all along and I turned out to be right if you bet the game early and didn't wait for it to balloon all the way up past the five-point mark. It was a whole other deal. I thought Iowa State's resume was significantly better this year and that last year was skewing the uh, perception of this game. But, but if you just looked at the teams and you hadn't seen them play, they're identical. And I just – because I think TJ realized pretty early, like, they played okay offense, I guess, in the first half. I don't want to – rip them too much. I mean, they played good enough offense to win that game by 15 in the first half, mm-hmm. but it, it became pretty evident. Like you said about Mark Adams making the moves that he did. And I, I think TJ was, you know, that was a perfect time for him to get the point across about defense and toughness and everything that he's been preaching since, since April. And I, I just wonder if we're going to see more games like this because this, this league now and, and how the officials are going to adjust to it. Cause it, it is like you, you wrote the column about the old big East and I, I couldn't agree more. Like I did, I, I don't know. Like, we'll we'll have to see how it evolves, but I think we could see more games like that. I do think it's a little bit unfortunate for just the sport in general, because I felt like we had made a lot of really positive strides as far as the freedom of movement and things like that of, of a lot of helping offenses be better, you know, of doing things with the rules to help offenses be better it seems like this year we've really backslid away from a lot of those things. Jay Billis wrote a column about this the other day where he, you know, he, he said freedom of movement is dead. And it, if you watch that game last night, you can tell it obviously is. You can't move against some of these teams and be successful on offense. They just won't allow you to. 
and Texas Tech is the perfect example of that. Iowa State does has elements of this as well. And I, I think that's unfortunate for the sport as a whole. But it's, that's just like my own personal opinion because it just I think it makes the game less appealing aesthetically and it makes it harder to watch. But <laughs> nothing, it, nothing appealing about last night. <laughs> no. And that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I don't yeah. think that the way that they played in the old Big East was good for the sport of basketball. Obviously, like the other pieces of it were good and the star, the star power, the TV and like all that stuff was really good. But the style of basketball was not good, you know, and we're if we're trending back that way, I think that that's unfortunate and that falls on the officials. I think a little bit, you've got to be able to call the game the way that it, it's supposed to be called, you know, and if you're not willing to do that, you know, respect to Iowa state for being able to, to adjust and be able to take advantage of that in their own right. Because don't get me wrong. Texas tech wasn't the only one doing those things. They got Iowa state was able to take advantage of that stuff on their end as well. And got some pretty favorable situations with grabbing people and, you know, hitting people at the rim and stuff like that. But it's just, I just, I don't think that that's good for the sport in the long term. you know? And I, I hope that that doesn't become a, like a long-term thing, but I, I, I probably, it probably will. I mean, the, it's like I wrote in that column though, the no middle defense has taken the sport hostage now. Like it, it went from being where you could play the way Virginia did with the pack line and all that kind of stuff to now it's like, we're going to push you way out to the half court line and we're literally going to push you. We're not going to, like try and force you that way. It's like, no, we're going to physically do it. You know, and I don't think that's good. I don't think that will be good for the health of the sport, sport long-term. Yeah, it's probably cyclical. I mean, it, it, it usually is, but I, I do think that, I mean, there's a very real aspect when you look at these teams in the way, like, I mean, Baylor's the perfect example. We've talked about this, but it used to be get as many one and dones as possible, you know, really poor coaching, and they were always an easy out in Kansas City, right? And they never really, I mean, unless they, they got some really good draws in the tournament and Drew got them to some elite eights there early on, just based purely off of talent. Well, now, you know, it's, it's a situation where these programs all want to get older. They all want to get tougher. I'm watching Jalen Coleman lands. He's like 26 playing for Kansas, right? Like that's, that's crazy. If you would have thought of Kansas basketball six, seven years ago in the, you know, the youth, like remember who was the, the check the aloe guy? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the big deal. And like, you don't want these guys now. I mean, you, you'll take them, but the game's change. Like, uh, like these freshmen aren't really, there's a reason why. And TJ was talking about this this week. I mean, there's, only, I think only 26 freshmen starting on power six programs. Well, right just now. think back like it's seven, crazy or, stat, but it's because of what we're all talking about. I think. Right. Well, think back eight years ago to when, you know, you had Duke and Kentucky playing in the final four with Carl Anthony Towns, Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, all those guys, like the peak of the one and done era. And a team like that would not make the final four now. No, they, they just wouldn't be able to because they can't have, you don't have the physical strength that it takes to be able to play the way that so many of these teams play. You have to have old you have to have old guys, you know, like Iowa State's got a bunch of old heads on their team outside of Tyrese Hunter. Everybody's an old head and like they're not scared of anything. And that's where, you know, that's where Isaiah Brockington has been so important for this team, I think, because I think that that guy would literally fight someone to win a basketball game. And it don't he don't care about how talented you are. He doesn't care about anything. He's like, no, I'm going to come out and I'm going to do everything that I can to beat you. And if that means that I have to fight you, then I'll fight you. And like, that's what, 
that's why they won last night. They won because Isaiah Brockington said, I'm not going to lose. And like, that's where Iowa State has not had a guy like that in several years. George had some moments like that. Monte had some moments like that. But, you know, Isaiah Brockington can take control of a game in more ways than just his ability to score. He's not afraid to do it either. And I I thought that we saw that last night where he's like, I'm going to go and get every rebound. I'm going to go and score every bucket. And I don't care what it takes to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, and and I was actually impressed with Brockington. I, I completely agree with everything you said on him, but he really kind of disappeared for about 10 minutes in the second half, and I was like, that's weird because we hadn't seen that this year with him. He was passing up shots. He was passing up like the lane that he was generally owning, and then he, you're right, the refusal to lose because it came to crunch time, and it was like Iowa State needed that guy to step up, and boom, there was Isaiah Brockington which was awesome. Well, he, that's shot of the year so far uh, when he hit that from the right wing. Shot that, was of- a, that was a watershed shot because it, it was the difference, I think, between starting one and one in conference play and starting 0 and 2. Yeah. And t- starting 0 and 2 can really snowball on you. Like, I feel so like Texas, individual. Texas Tech right now, imagine the position that they're in where you've got to play Kansas and Baylor next. You know, like they're going to be right on the verge of an 0 and 3 start and probably not feeling very good. We know how much that can snowball on you and how that can get out of control in the confidence that you lose. If you lose a bunch of close games like that, you know, this, it it was really important to be able to win that game last night. And it took a lot of guts to be able to do it. And it's like, now you can walk out of there and be like, man, we've got some momentum and we feel good because we're off the schneid and we haven't lost 25 big 12 games in a row anymore. And now we know we can win in this league, you know, And it's like, that's what I think it was important for as much as anything is just for these guys to see, we know we can win here now. And that's what we just had to see it once, you know, and see what it took to be able to get that done. Yeah, I completely agree. And then you look at the schedule and just the way it sets up and you would have felt really bad. Uh, Just, you know, the way Tech shot at the free throw line, they had some guys down. That that would have been a sickening loss. Oh, no doubt, especially at home. Yes. that would have been like a backbreaker and it would have been the kind of thing that you lean back and you're like, man, maybe things have not changed as much as we thought. You Correct. Know? Yeah. yeah no, I completely agree with you. I completely yeah. agree with you that I, I don't think we can overstate the importance of that win, especially when you look at two road trips coming down the pike next week. Absolutely. We'll take a look at both of those road trips when we come back here on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by the Iowa State University Foundation on a morning sports station, KXNO. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmey, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. 
gets crazy with my twins and a husband who works 80 hours a day. I mean, a week. And I decided to start my own business on top of it, which is insanely crazy. But thanks to the Iowa Clinic, it was easy to see my doctor. And when I get there, she listens to me. So I feel like I have a partner. And before I know it, I can get back to my crazy, busy, insanely busy life where I have a busy business, busy husband, busy twins. Oh, no. Where's the other one? Oh, I'm holding her. Anyway, with same-day appointments and online scheduling, the Iowa Clinic is care how you want it. Visit iowaclinic.com. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Martin Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Martin in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns that helps farmers care for the pigs they protect the pigs from extreme temperatures predators you know all that stuff it is so high tech some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing and they're doing it all to feed our world and and don't forget about this so you can have some of that delicious iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall from everyone at cyclone fanatic i'm chris williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers the cyclone fanatic podcast network is now fueled by the mississippi river distilling company it is located in Eclair, iowa and owned by cyclones in fact one of them even used to be Cy. people ask us all the time how can they help out at cyclone fanatic well Here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cycle Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Jared Stansbury and Chris Williams talking some Iowa State basketball here on tonight's program. Uh, a couple of big road trips coming up. Chris, first, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Iowa State Foundation? Yeah, I mean, they're, they've been a great sponsor of ours for a really long time, and we appreciate that relationship. So the Iowa State University Foundation is basically they provide scholarships and goodwill for, for students on campus. So specifically when like COVID hit, they, um, you know, we had a big campaign with them where we were trying to raise money for students who um, couldn't get home or right. Like when the whole thing was locked down and they couldn't have jobs and stuff like that. So it's just a, a group that does a lot of really good things and, and they're constantly pushing like the promotion of Iowa state students and, and all that and scholarships. And you're really given to a good cause. Uh, a lot of this money goes directly uh, into uh, students from, you know, internationally and whatever that keeps Iowa state ticking. So we're glad to have them on board and it's going to be an exciting basketball season. So I'm, you'll hear a lot about them here. Uh, coming up in the weeks to come, but uh, yeah, they uh, they they're a great sponsor. We appreciate them being on board here on Thursday nights with us. 
All right, let's take a look at Saturday's game with Oklahoma, 5 p.m. tip down in Norman. Uh, Oklahoma is an interesting team, man. I'm actually going to dive into uh, dive into their game against Baylor here when we we get done with the show. I'm going to uh, really do a deep dive on the Sooners, but you know Porter Mosier in year one, they've got the the Eastern Washington transfer Tanner Groves, who's kind of been there. Uh, their linchpin. He's you know in the top 100 in offensive rating right now on Ken Palm, uh, and they play exactly how you would expect a Porter Mosier team to play. They play slower than hell. Uh, they're going to be efficient offensively, fifth in the country in effective field goal percentage, and second nationally in two point percentage. But they're not going to do anything. They don't do anything overly flashy. There's nothing that you look at that makes them super exciting. They're in the top 50 in offense and in defense, but. You know, they're on their 50th in offense and 36th in defense. Uh, I don't have a very good read on this game right now. I don't either. <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, I haven't seen Oklahoma. I watched them play Baylor the other night. And uh, the way you just described Oklahoma fits pretty well. I don't think that they have. They're, they're talented. I don't think this is like an elite talent group. Uh, when you when you look at the Big Twelve, but he's a good coach. I mean, he's got them to eleven and three. I do have the same read on them though that I did Texas Tech. Their resume isn't great. Lost to Utah State, lost to Butler. They beat Florida. It's a good win that against Florida on December first. But their their one Big Twelve win comes against Kansas State by two at home. I mean, if you just are looking straight, straightly straight at their statistical profile. This reminds me a little bit of the tech uh, game, less extreme because tech was much better last year. But uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I think if Iowa State can win at Creighton, they can win in Norman mm-hmm. on on Saturday. So I, I'm I'm going into this. I'm guessing Oklahoma will be a one or two point favorite. And it's basically a pick them. I mean, it really comes down to if Iowa State plays defense like it has, and we all think it will, fourth nationally in adjusted defense right now, they just have to be a little bit better on offense and they can win these games on the road. This is uh, this would be a huge win if you could pull this one off. Because I, I don't think anybody expects them to go now in Fieldhouse next week and win. But these are the type of games where the old Tim Floyd ratings, right, where if you can pull off road wins and – what that does for you in the conference schedule. I mean, the, you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Texas tech. Uh, there's a lot of these games that are kind of just in that realm where you don't expect to win any of them, but any of them you can steal going to go a really long way for you. So that, that that's how I view this thing. And, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't have a good enough read on Oklahoma yet. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not there. Um, I haven't seen them play enough. And frankly, I don't know enough about their guys, but I I watched them play Baylor on Tuesday and they were, they were tough. I mean, they, they're going to be a difficult out for everybody, but this is not an Oklahoma team. That's got like a, you know, buddy healed or a Trey young that you're going to like have to just hone in on like similar statistical profile in a weird way to Iowa state again. I mean, a lot of these teams are just very similar. They're better offensive numbers, worse defensive numbers, but, I, I mean, I think that this is a total toss-up. Dude, the Big 12 right now makes me – it has the read of a league that could put, like, six teams into the Sweet 16, you know, yeah. because you I mean, think all these teams are going to be better offensively when they play against teams that aren't from the Big 12. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Like all, all of a sudden, I mean, the, the ball pressure is just not there. And, uh, and then uh, there's also the aspect when you get into the tournament where these other teams just don't have the knowledge of you. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost like I, I can, that, that's a really good point. I mean, again, old big East, uh, that that's what it, that's what it comes down to for me. And, it's, and the, it's amazing the, for a league the about, size of the big 12 to have the depth that, the, that they do. I mean, the big yeah. East had so many teams, you know, I would do uh, look into this at some point, Jared, but I experienced the experience number on Ken Palm. I would venture to guess that a lot of these big 12 teams are top 100 in experience. Oklahoma is, I mean, there's a lot of guys that Iowa state fans will look at Oklahoma and they've never heard of these guys, but they, I mean, a lot of these transfers, I just, I feel like this is a league that's got a lot of guys who have played a lot of basketball, even though they might not be household names. That's just my gut feel. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys who just have played at the lower levels and have been able to move up. Uh, as I'm scrolling through it, counting right now, I've already counted six of the 10 teams are in the top 10 or in the top 100. Okay, so, so my read is correct. Yeah, you're, you're pretty right on. I mean, I, I would imagine that all of them are within the top half, though, too. You know, like there's not going to be anybody who's got who's built on one and duns and things like that. And I think if you were, you'd probably be in some pretty serious trouble uh, as we get further and further into league play. But, you know, I like it's like I wrote last night. I don't know how much you can even take away from that game that they played against Texas Tech. Like, I don't think that that can really be an accurate read of like how Iowa State's going to play offensively specifically. It was shocking to see them go down in Ken Palm as far as they did, which tells me that those numbers from last year are probably really working their way out because they have not been overly efficient offensively. But, like, they weren't efficient. But, again, like, if you watch the game, you can understand why, you know. And I don't think that they were going to play another game like that. As That was as brutal as it's, gonna, as it's probably going to be for them the entire year. And it was by far their worst offensive game that they've played on their schedule. And – like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they housed some of these big 12 teams because of the way that they're able to play. That defensive ball pressure is, as, is on the same level as Texas Tech, but I think they've got more offensive talent than what Texas Tech does on most nights. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and the one thing, too, I think Iowa State fans need to be leery of is not just, um, we're, listen, we're all watching a completely different style than what we grew up on. In it used to be the old days, like, well, how many threes did Iowa State hit? And that can basically dictate like how how the whole thing was going to go down. Well, I mean, again, like you go one of fourteen from three against Baylor, maybe the best defensive team in the country. I don't know, top five for sure. And they actually played really good offense in that game, right? I thought they played really good offense in the first half last night, not in the second half. So it's like. It's not all about like the three point shot falling like it used to be. It's being able to get into the lane, force turnovers. They didn't do that as well last night as I thought they were going to. Uh, I thought they would get some, a few more cheaper buckets off of Texas Tech turnovers than they did. But yeah, I, I mean, it's a disgusting league. It's a disgustingly beautiful league. How do you, how do you like that? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, it is absolutely a disgusting league. There's going to be a lot of games that are just really not fun to watch. It's like I need to go and take a shower after I got done watching that one. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, it isn't overly fun in the moment, but if you win, you know, it's hard to be too incredibly mad. Uh, do you still think ten and eight, eleven yeah. and seven is attainable? Yeah. That's exactly where I have them. 
Yeah, uh, I would go more ten and eight than eleven and seven. I just think that I, I, I think that this is such a hard league. I mean, if you could go ten and eight at this point with one loss at home, you're you're getting a couple of road dubs in there. I think that'd be really if you if 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 they're ten and eight, what three seed, four seed, yeah. Probably. I'm looking at it now. I was, or the Big 12 has four of the 10 teams in the top 10 in adjusted defense. And then if, they've got uh, one, two, three. They've got seven of their 10 teams in the top 30. And then the other three are 36th, 46th, and 53rd. So the, all 10 of them are within the top 55 in defense. If you're any better than 10 and seven or 10 and eight, you're you're likely a three-seater better. Yeah, and the rest of the country is not very good this year. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that stuff very much, but like the ACC might get one team in the NCAA tournament. Which is crazy if you think about the history of that league. But yeah, um, I, I, the Big 12 is an eight-bid eight league, right? Yeah, it's seven or eight. Um, I mean, I my concern would be if you get ninth or, or you get eighth, like you might be going like six and 12. Like, are they going to put a six and 12 big 12 team into the NCAA tournament? You know, I mean, I guess it's possible if you just look at the landscape and you're like, I don't know who, what other 68 teams or 62 teams we're going to put in here and leave this one out. Uh, but I mean, that's going to be an uphill climb. I mean, right now, Ken Palm has West Virginia as the eighth team in the league. I, like, I can't imagine they're going to keep West Virginia out of the NCAA tournament. That's a solid basketball team, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a winner. It's going to be a lot more entertaining than last year. That's for sure. Yeah. It was a pretty low bar to clear, but they, uh, <laughs> they've certainly guaranteed that one at this point. All right, man, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And, and, uh, we'll talk some more hoops here later on. We're going to bring in Connor Ferguson. We're going to talk some Iowa state women's basketball here on the cyclone fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa state university foundation on a more sports station. KXNO 106.3 FM. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowa's cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, if you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NML. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. 
Learn more at iowaport.org. Cycle Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans. Ever wondered how we could use our Cyclone spirit for the greater good? If we each give a little, together, we can multiply the power of our gifts to help Iowa State University students when unexpected needs arise. Your gift can make the difference in helping a student finish out the semester or keep an internship experience within reach. To make a gift and to move what matters for Iowa State students, Go to isufoundation.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy, and I for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show powered by the Iowa State University Foundation here on the Morning Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. I'm Jared Stansberry. Going to bring in now Connor Ferguson, Iowa State or Cyclone Fanatic's women's basketball reporter. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Iowa State women's team and uh, talk some a little bit about some football too, some football news that came out during the afternoon on Thursday. Uh, Connor, what's up tonight, man? Man, I'm uh, I'm hyped. There's a lot to be excited about right now. If you're listening to this, I'm probably neck deep in a Dallas Stars hockey game. They haven't played in 17 days. I'm excited, Jared. Well, I'm I'm happy for you, buddy. I'm happy. Lots to be uh, excited in names, though. Yeah, I was just say, uh, as thrilling as I'm sure Dallas Stars hockey is, I think that uh, nobody cares besides you. <laughs> We got like four fans in Iowa. Well, that's approaching uh, the NBA club. Which, which, what? I, I said approaching the uh, NBA fans of Iowa club. Yeah, you guys What's are only only about a tenth of the way there now because the NBA fan club in Iowa has has exploded in recent oh, years. That's perfect. We're we're going full steam ahead. We'll get some wins in front of us and get a couple more fans by the end of the year. Maybe you guys will join us once you can get your games off of ESPN Plus every night. Hey, we're on ESPN Plus every night. That's a win for us. No, that's what I'm saying. All I got to do is log on to my laptop. 
once once you don't have to buy a subscription to watch the <laughs> watch hockey like then maybe you guys will catch up to us but for now i mean you're you know you guys are just going to be toiling behind you guys are basically you know the nba the nba is now the sec compared to the nhl the nhl is uh the pac-12 i would compare more to the missouri valley okay <laughs> <laughs> That's probably fair too. Uh, all right, let's talk about Iowa State women's hoops. Back-to-back big Big Twelve wins here uh, for Bill Fennelly's team to uh, to open league play. Got a, a dominant eighty-eight to seventy-two win over West Virginia on Sunday at Hilton Coliseum, and then got a top twenty-five win last night on the road uh, against Oklahoma, eighty-one to seventy-one. Man, it just it there's something different about this Iowa State women's team than than there has been uh, in recent years. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, I'm hoping that you can tell me that. Um, but it just it feels like there's a considerably different vibe with this group than there has been the past couple of seasons because talent has not necessarily been an issue, but it's like the experience level is so high now that you can just tell that they are they're locked in every time they step on the floor. Right. I think you are. I think you kind of answered it there, honestly. Um, the, the difference here is they have so many pieces that have been in that winning culture and kind of, you know, seen what it takes. And they've gone through, they've all gone through, every player on this team has gone through those seasons where they just get on a roll and then they have a letdown loss. Um, beating Iowa, that that was a huge part. That was usually your letdown loss in December. Um, and kind of each month there's like a humbling moment for them. This team has not had too many of them this year because they've gone through it. They know exactly, you know, kind of how to fight out of that. And now with the Big 12 being as wide open as it is, I think you just have even more motivation to keep going on that momentum and uh, not have one of those letdown losses. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you look even, you know, uh, uh, even look last night, you know, Ashley Jones goes two of, or five of 25 from the field. And you just have to have somebody step up. You know, Lexington Arsky was one of 12. That's your two best players go six of 37 from the field. And you're still able to win a, a road game uh, against a top 25 team. And, you know, that just speaks to the, the wealth of talent that this roster has. I mean, Emily Ryan has been on an absolute tear. Uh, had 22 points, eight assists last night, four rebounds, a steal, a block. Turned the ball over four times or five times, which isn't necessarily ideal, but with as much as she handles the ball, it's, it's certainly understandable. Um, I, I just, I have not seen an Iowa state women's team that has this many weapons, you know, and on any given night, it can be someone different. Obviously Ashley Jones is the centerpiece and she's going to be the one who, when you need someone to put them, put the team on their back, it's probably going to be her, but Emily Ryan is capable of that. Lexi Donarski is capable of that. You know, uh, it, even Aubrey Jones is capable of that. And I, that's what makes them so fun is you just, you don't know, you know, you know, they're going to give themselves a shot, but at the same time, you don't know who it's going to be. That's going to be the one to, to kind of carry them through the, the finish line. Yeah. And uh, I do want to mention how just strong Emily Ryan's been playing. The last three games have been her best three games, 10 names by far uh, 39 assists, I think combined uh, between the three, like she is just on a tear of creating ball movement you know, getting to the hoop, getting points uh, when they need it. And they're, you know, as you said, sometimes not all the players are going to shoot perfectly. Uh, and sometimes there's going to be some really bad nights. But Emily Ryan, Maggie Espen, Miller McGraw, I think was three for three uh, from downtown last night. It's just beating the hot hand, finding who's going to make those shots that day. And they got so many kids that can step up that, you know, 
they're going to find ways to win games. And they found a way to pull away and win that game last night and avoid a letdown loss early in the Big 12 season. And I think it it can't be understated how important it is, too, for them to have had, you know, you have Morgan Kane, who has never really been a centerpiece player, has has certainly had to improve a lot during her time at, at Iowa State. And you can just see how much work she's put in. I mean, she goes five of six from the field last night for 10 points, had six rebounds, but she's doing that in 17 minutes. And then you have, you know, Beatrice Jordeo, who transferred in this year. She went seven to 13 with seven rebounds. For them to get any production from that position, I mean, that's a, a stark difference, I think, from where they've been in recent years, because that's kind of been the thing that, you know, at the end of the day was their Achilles heel. They had the guards, you know, they've had the guards for every year, but it's they didn't have the post players to be able to match up with some of these teams. And and by no means is Morgan Kane or or Beatrice Jordeo going to be the person that you want to. They're probably going to be the two that you're not going to expect them to like put the team on their back, you know, but at the same time, they are good enough to at least make the battle down low a wash. And for a long time, that was where Iowa State just got, I mean, they, on a consistent basis, they were going to get their butts kicked down there. And that was when I, when Iowa State was going to fall into trouble was when they came up against a Baylor or a Texas who had a dominant, you know, low post player. And for them to even have those two, those two girls who can step up and make, and, and make plays at the level to make that a competitive battle. I mean, I think that that leveled them up in a considerable amount. And that's, that speaks to one, what they were able to do in the offseason in the gym, and then to the coaching staff. you got to give a lot of credit to them for being able to even get those two into a position to be able to do those things. I'm, I'm going to say something here and let me know if this is off basis or what, but I think Bill Finley and his staff have kind of found a philosophical uh, way to play that post when you have four guards. You know, they, they said they want to do post players by committee. Well, they're combining for like 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. And if you got that from one post, post player, they'd be one of the best post players in the country, right? They're doing it with two of them five minutes at a time. And I think in both of them very much improved from even the first part of this season, let alone Morgan Kane, her uh, last three years at Iowa State. Um, they're getting that production and they're finding ways to find them and get them to score. And that's huge for this team um, and just how much they've improved. And that's another part of what makes this Iowa State team a lot different um, from Iowa State teams in the past. Is this team good enough to win the league, you think? Absolutely. It's wide open. Um, Iowa State fans, keep your eyes peeled next Tuesday. Uh, no matter what happens this weekend, I believe Iowa State will be playing for sole possession of first place in the Big 12 against Kansas State. Well, yeah, and it's obviously, you know, it's very early. Uh, it'll right, be, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, you know, you're three games into it. But, I mean, Baylor is as vulnerable vulnerable as they've been in recent years. Texas is really good. But, like, other than that, Iowa State is probably the clear second-best team in this league, right? Yeah, um, and I don't know if you saw last night, but Texas lost to Texas Tech. Okay. Yeah. So that's so, what I'm saying. And Iowa State will be the highest-ranked team in the Big 12 come Monday, especially if they beat TCU Saturday. Man, I mean, I, I think we knew that this – we obviously knew this team was going to be really good. But the question marks that we all had about them feel like they've really been answered. Uh this team has made like massive strides from where they were when they lost in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, I was uh, talking to uh, Noah Wolf. He's the play-by-play guy for women's basketball. Uh, and going into that first week of the season or second week of the year, they played uh, South Dakota State and Drake. And it was kind of like, there's a lot of question marks here. You know, are they going to drop one of these games early? 
what's going to happen. And they slammed the door on both of them and they just went full steam ahead from there. I think in, uh, in Florida, they lost their last guard um, from a reserve standpoint. So they only had the four guards that play every game and they lost their last guard, like seven minutes into the first uh, game of the tournament and played three games in three days with four guards on the floor, uh, just about 40 minutes every game. They won each one of them. So uh, just the resilient, the resiliency to kind of overcome adversity and find ways to win games is right there in this team. And I think they have a good chance to win the league. So what, what can we expect here during this next three game stretch? Uh, you get TCU on Saturday to uh, Kansas state on Tuesday, and then you get uh, Oklahoma state on the road next Saturday. And then uh, you have Texas and Baylor back to back the the following week. What does it take to be five and zero? Uh, going into that game against Texas on uh, on January 19th? I think you look at it next week. You know, uh, I'm not trying to – I'm not a player in the team, so excuse me if I'm overlooking TCU, who's played one game in the past 37 days and a 26-point loss to SMU uh, this week. But I'm going to overlook TCU. Next week are the uh, two big games. Oklahoma State's kind of been in it um, against a couple good teams. Kansas State beat Baylor and then uh, had to kind of came down the wire against Oklahoma State, but they're still the only 0-2 team in the league. Um, so we'll see kind of what that game turns out. But you avo- you got to avoid the letdown loss next week, and that Kansas State game is going to be a big one, especially if they're coming into it 3-0 and as well. Um, they're going to be hyped to try and uh, take the top spot in the league early on too. All right, let's flip the turn the page a little bit here on uh, on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by the Iowa State University Foundation here on the Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. Uh, some big news this afternoon came through. Orion Vance returning for man, his sixth season at Iowa State. Uh, obviously, he's been uh, such a huge piece of that defense for the Cyclones in recent years. Um, man, you know, I... <laughs> I think that this is the kind of stuff that like you still feel encouraged about where Iowa State football can be in 2022 because of the youth that you've got coming up and the, the way that Iowa State has recruited in recent years. Um, all of those guys kind of coming into their own. But OV's the kind of guy who can like carry you through and be a torchbearer. You know, that was my one big concern is who can be the guys that kind of bridge the the gap between the Brock Purdy's, Charlie Kohler's, Mike Rose to the Bo Freilers, the Jalen Knowles, the, uh, and so on down the line. But man, when you've got someone like, uh, with like OV, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, man, who else said they were coming back? Anthony Johnson, uh, Jairo Brock. Like, I, I don't know. This just feels big, dude. Like I, I know OV was hurt for a lot of this year, but this is, this feels like as big of a, a, a return as anybody, because they're going to be young in that linebacking core, uh, especially after some of the, the defections from the transfer portal. I haven't told you uh, this story ever, but I covered, uh, I did a football game in like 2017 or 18. I can't even remember what year it was uh, for KURE, uh, the student radio station in Ames. And I was preparing for it and preparing for it. And I thought I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to watch that day. It was one of the first games that Ryan Vance played at Jack Trice Stadium. And I was blown away by how fast that dude was. I mean, he gets around the field. He moves um in ways that kind of you don't usually see from a ton of players at his position and i think it's huge to get more senior leadership back uh and kind of those guys that can pass the torch i mean anytime you have uh mentors and um leadership figures kind of around guys that want to be coached 
that's a recipe for success, no matter how way or which way you look at it. So I, I think that's a lot to be excited for. And I think too, it's just, it's important because you look at what, uh, at this group that they've got coming in, uh, this group of linebackers that everybody is so excited about, um, with Will McLaughlin, Jacob Iming, uh, and then, um, man, the third one, Carson Willich out of Kansas city, like all of those guys, I think at least two of them are going to be early enrollees to have OV be there, be there as the, the old head, you know, the mentor. I mean, I, I, I don't think that people, I mean, people understand the value of that, but it just is to have that guy, the guy who's been through the battles, the guy who has gone through these big 12 wars that can just bridge that gap. Like that just is, it's so huge. And I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about what that group is going to be able to do moving forward. I don't think this defense is hardly going to skip a beat because of the talent level that they've got just at every level, even if we haven't seen them yet, you know? Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Do you think that's like kind of the final piece on that to keep the defense intact and moving in a forward direction rather than having to reload? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know, like, I think the defensive front will be interesting. You've got, you still got to replace some pretty important, one really important piece up there in any Wajarike. I mean, he has been, I don't think it can be understated how important any has been for this program, just in general, in his entire career at Iowa State. But, you know, you've got guys like Blake Peterson. Obviously, Will McDonald is coming back. J.R. Singleton and Isaiah Lee have been fantastic at times for Iowa State. Both of them made big plays in the bowl game last week against Clemson. Uh, and then, in that, like I said, all those guys in the linebacking core, I'm really excited about what Gary Vaughn has been able to do for them. Uh, those three freshmen, I think, are going to be fantastic. You bring in the Colby Reader out of, uh, out of Delaware. The, se- the secondary will be interesting just to see how it kind of shakes out in the end. Like, you know, there's been – you know, some rumblings that Anthony Johnson can move to safety who steps up at the other cornerback spot, if that's the case. Uh, but Bo Freiler and Craig McDonald are a great starting point there. Miles purchase. It played really well in, in some stretches. And then you get TJ Tampa. You hope to, to get him continue to, to grow here over the off season. I don't think that defense should make a massive step back. You know, this was one of the best defenses statistically that Iowa State has ever had. So it's hard to sit here and say like, oh yeah, they're going to be just as good. But at the same time, I don't think it's crazy to think that this is still a top half of the Big 12 defense, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, just for reasons you just listed off that many names, I mean, they're, they're too deep and talented. And that's what you need to win the Big 12. You need reserves to be ready to step up. You need people to be ready to rotate. If someone goes down, you need another piece to fill in the puzzle. I think, uh, I think that kind of makes just that much of a difference for Iowa state. And, you know, we haven't, we've now just started to see that um, early stages of that, I guess, um, in the Matt Campbell era. And if it keeps going like this, this defense is going to be fine. All right. Another another thing that you've been working on here is some recruiting uh, for us at Cyclone Fanatic. You got a chance to catch up with Jamison Patton uh, earlier this week. The, he's a quarterback. Uh, I think he projects as a defensive back at the collegiate level uh, at Des Moines Roosevelt. Um, he's expected to visit Ames here in just a couple of weeks. What did uh, what did Jamison have to say when you talked to him here uh, earlier on in the week? Yeah, one of the most memorable things he said is he's been uh, training a little bit with Will McIlvain. I asked him about it because uh, when I was covering for KXNO uh, high school football, uh, one of the guys that wowed me um, just in those four or five years, however long I did it, was uh, Will McIlvain at Lincoln. And Jameson, much like him playing quarterback 
uh, at a Des Moines public school and, you know, getting attention from that next level and getting attention from Iowa State. And they do want to move him to defensive back. That's how Iowa State's recruiting him. But I think that's a huge thing, uh, especially for the kids uh, in that school district and on those football teams to have uh, guys to look up to like that. And Jamison definitely looks up to uh, Will, and I think them training together is going to be really good. Has he gotten any looks from anybody as a quarterback to, that you know of? Uh, I think I don't want to say Iowa has been, but one of the recruiting graphics that Iowa sent to him was him throwing the ball. Okay. I don't know if that's just coincidental or not. Um, so, okay. I'm not 100% sure either way. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe like a Northern Iowa or someone was giving him a shot at, at quarterback. I just wasn't sure. Cause I know that that ended up being the thing. I mean, Will was supposed to walk on at Iowa state had originally committed to walk on at Iowa state. And then he got the chance to go play quarterback at Northern Iowa. And that kind of made the difference. Uh, and I think everybody that's watched Iowa state football remembers what Will was able to do in his two times against Iowa state. Uh, let's just hope that that does not happen with Jamison because he is a, a great athlete and has been really fun to watch at the high school level. All right, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. And thanks for taking some time to talk to us tonight. Enjoy your, uh, your stars game. All right. Sounds like a plan. If they're losing, no one, someone check on me if they're losing right now. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll try and keep an eye on it, but I'm not promising that I'm going to check up on you. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on the Moines sports station, uh, 106.3 FM KXNO.